God told me this movie will write itself Spread love, be wise and let foolery fight itself Cause it's a war going on outside On the corner, it's a war On your TV screen every morning Not the war with the bombs and the helicopters swarming But the war for your soul That's what everyone's ignoring It's a war going on Yeah, it's a war going on Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pursuit of Truth podcast. My name is Will. I'm your host. Today's date is August 25th, 2021. This is going to be called episode uh, episode 86. It's going to be called Tyranny Never Sleeps. Okay. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a great, uh, great Tuesday. Hope you're having a better Wednesday whenever you're listening to this, uh, whatever, whichever day you're listening to this. Hope you're having a great day. Now, I want you to know that uh, when you're following God, it really helps to know yourself okay and and yes we can always pray and you know ask god to you know tell us about ourselves and reveal things to us and but the thing is that i think that personally i think that we need also need to be active in pursuing uh, knowledge about ourselves and it's not just yeah you can spend time with yourselves and maybe write down your thoughts and then you learn things about yourself maybe you have other people tell you about yourself but there are things that we can do in order to help us learn about yourselves our, excuse me, ourselves. And so there are two things that I used in order to figure out a lot about myself and my personality type, because everybody has a different personality type and God has created people because we're all one body, you know, the body of Christ and everything. And the body has different parts and the body has different functions, the different parts of the body have different functions. So because we, the people, uh, we are the body of Christ. Um, everyone is going to have a different function and a different part to play in the kingdom of God. You know, uh, everyone's equal. God created, uh, everyone equal man and woman and everything it's just that some people do different things and other not that anyone's more important than any other um, because god loves us uh, all the same pretty much so two things that i think you should do that i recommend to you one thing is a personality test and the second thing is a um, spiritual gifts test because you know as you all know we've all been given a personality um and so I, uh, I recommend going to a website called 16personalities.com. It's literally the numbers 16 and the word personalities.com. And you take that quiz there. It's probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 questions. And try your hardest not to put anything neutral. Try just, you know, that'll give you the best results. If you don't leave anything as neutral or in the middle, try as hard as you can um, to not leave anything neutral. Right. And then, so that'll give you like a personality type. And so, just for like the record, my personality type is ENTJ, which is like an assertive commander type personality. Okay, and uh, you can always like, read the they have they they have descriptions of all the different personality types. They have things like your strengths, your weaknesses, how you are as a parent, how how you are as a um, someone is in a relationship, how you are as a friend, how you are at work, and things like that. You'll find and the things that these things are really accurate. I actually had somebody take the personality test and he was saying, that's not true. That's not true. But then his wife was saying, yeah, actually that's the truth. So I'm telling you, they give really, really accurate results and just accept it. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes you have to accept it. Right. And so the second thing is the spiritual gifts test. And I recommend going to a website called giftstest.com, like G I F T S T E S T.com giftstest.com. And you can take a spiritual gifts test and it will, pretty much give you your spiritual gift or pretty much a uh, pretty much an idea of your spiritual gifts it'll give you like your top three and it'll, it'll pretty much rank your top three gifts you know because you know you obviously we all have more than one but there's one dominant one that that everyone pretty much has 
right? And these are the same um, uh, gifts of the Spirit found in the Bible. You can go ahead and look that up if you want to take a look at those. So those two things, you put those together, and my, my spiritual gift is teaching. So I'm the ENTJ, assertive commander, who is also the teacher. And then those two things pretty much go together a lot. Um, you can always read about that stuff. I'm not going to really go into that stuff. But yeah, I just thought it's it's a really interesting thing, and you really get to know yourself, and you really you can even look up videos on YouTube that can things that can tell you your weaknesses. And this the, the website giftstest.com will also tell you weaknesses uh, about people with your spiritual gifts. So, without further ado, oh, and quickly, I want to say that uh, hope you're challenging yourself every single day, right? Hope that you're inflicting adversity upon yourself every single day because we grow from adversity. And if you're not if you're not progressing, you're regressing. Okay, you don't stand still in life. If you're not progressing, you're regressing, right? And then quickly, as you know, I'm going for a new job, and so the next test has uh, not literally a test, but the next phase has come upon me, and the nerves have set in again. But God brought me through well four or five things so far. So I think he's going to do it again. I know he's going to do it again. So, um, yeah, you know, I just, I'm just, you know, going to let God bring me through this another thing, you know, let him bring me through another thing, you know, and I'm going to be on the other side of this one going, oh, you know, see, God brought me through that. All right. So I am extremely tired from work today. You know, I don't know. Work was just really a lot today. Um, but I actually have about a 20-minute clip I'm going to play for you from uh, General Michael Flynn. He was actually um, interviewed, and I, the interview is actually in three parts. Three of them, it's like three 20-minute clips. I'm not going to play all 20, all three of them uh, today uh, because that will just take like an hour because I wanted to get to some news and things for you. So when I talk about tyranny, never sleeps, okay, because we know Congress and the the corrupt politicians, the enemy, they like to pass things while we're asleep, okay? And they did it again, okay? Because the conservative treehouse is telling us that overnight that Nancy Pelosi, she changes the House rules to pass pretty much the Green New Deal. It's a $3.5 trillion spending package. Um, it's while everyone was distra distracted um, by the Afghanistan debacle and things like that. And that's why I don't talk much about Afghanistan because you're getting bombarded by it on social media, your friends are probably talking about it. The TV's talking about it. So, you know, I'll just leave that one be because it's not. I'm, I might touch on it for a little bit, but I'm not gonna just bombard you with it like just just like everybody else is doing. So, um, pretty much, Nancy Pelosi, pretty much in the dead of night, she pulled together her her House uh, Democrat leadership, and they actually passed a package of a 3.5 trillion dollar Green New Deal spending package uh, that they call infrastructure okay and we know that the last infrastructure bill had nothing to do with it because you know they were getting giving the epa money they were giving the the department of uh, homeland security money and all these government agencies money and then people in utah like mitt romney and people in west virginia like joe manchin and people like that they're just paying off their friends pretty much right and so the 3.5 trillion dollar spending bill is in addition to the 1.5 trillion dollar infrastructure bill that came from the senate and she's uh, she, meaning Nancy Pelosi, is using the two trillion dollar budget package as a carrier for a deem and pass maneuver. Like they deem it necessary, and then they just pass it because you know uh, it's called the the necessary clause. Um, the where the Constitution talks about Congress passing any law that they see necessary and proper, an awful uh, law in my opinion. 
um, but it was it was it's in the Constitution. Um, so we've seen this before, and right now Pelosi is actually changing the House rules to have a single vote on the current budget proposal, which will include a provision that adds 3.5 trillion dollar Green New Deal spending package to the already 1.5 trillion dollar infrastructure bill. That's a lot of money. Okay, they're just spending our money, right? This would mean that one single vote would pass a social engineering package with more than $5.5 trillion in a single bill. Keep in mind, folks, we're already almost $30 trillion in debt. I don't know. I think we might already be $30 trillion in debt. I haven't looked at the debtclock.org in quite a little bit. Um, but the House is going to vote on the Senate bill, which is the $1.5 trillion bill, separately to add another $1.5 trillion spending to it. And it would bring the total spending by the House before they depart to a whopping Seven trillion dollars. Seven. Okay, look. Seven trillion dollars. You can't. You can't. You can't even imagine. Imagine seven trillion. You. You can't even imagine it. There. There's. There's. If you had seven trillion dollars in your pocket, you would buy everything that you ever wanted, and you wouldn't have even spent a hundred million dollars. I don't even think you would have. Because if you if you look at a hundred million, that's a lot of money. Okay. I don't think that anybody here could spend a hundred million dollars even in a year i don't think you could okay that's that's an astronomical and asinine amount of money some of you are saying oh i could spend 100 million dollars in a year i seriously doubt it because what you, you buy a house you buy cars you buy maybe planes and things like that you probably come about 40 or 50 million okay you you couldn't spend i don't think you could spend 100 million 100 million in a year just you yourself i don't think you could right and uh so Trump pretty much, moving on, Trump wants the Florida judge to help reinstate his YouTube account. Um, and Trump actually gave an update on his uh, class action lawsuit against Big Tech. He says that 85,000 people have come forward uh, around the country who know their voices are being silenced and their freedoms are being restricted. He says that they're destroying our country and there's nothing more than our right to freedom of speech. So moving on now, we got talk about war. Kamala Harris was actually... Um, going to fly from Singapore uh, and it was actually delayed by three hours because she had an anomalous health incident and some people are saying that this is uh, like Disclose.tv saying that it uh, on Telegram they're saying that it's Havana Syndrome uh, and what is Havana Syndrome so pretty much um, Havana Syndrome is a series of debilitating sy symptoms that first affected US intelligence officers and embassy staffers stationed in Havana Cuba in late 2016 now, the next year, American diplomats and other parts of the world, they reported similar symptoms happening to them. Now, researchers who investigated this uh, have stated that Havana syndrome um, is dismissed as mass hysteria, or it's like caused by stress. And But it, it, it actually might be a cause, um, it might actually, excuse me, it actually might be caused by um, exposure to microwave weaponry. Yeah, like, yeah, like microwave we weaponry. Like, you know how you put your coffee in the microwave? Like, yeah that they weaponize microwaves you know and just uh to put things in perspectives that if they did not have a cover over a microwave and your microwave was just coverless and it could just out in the open if you looked at your microwave while it was heating something up it would probably boil your eyeballs that's pretty much what microwaves do okay because they pretty much microwaves heat up water okay the water and food that's how they heat up food because they heat up the water and boil the water inside of the food Okay, that's pretty much how it works.
And so what are the symptoms of Havana syndrome? So they include things like, uh, it's actually a long term, they include things like migraines, problems with seeing far away things like distant vision, squinting, uh, recurrent vertigo, nosebleeds, and uh, things like that. So what causes it? It's pretty much, um, it's assumed to be caused by a type of mechanical device that emits ultrasonic or microwave energy. So pretty much the military and certain high, certain um, big police departments have things like this where they roll out a a um i'm pretty sure the if i'm not mistaken the la the lapd might have it um but i know for sure the military and the army actually have it so they roll out this um this truck right and so it'll have this big like microphone on it not a, not a microphone but like a something like that emits like a plate that emits like sounds right and pretty much they weaponize sound and pretty much it can burst your your eardrum they turn it on the lowest level that when they had riots last year in 2020 they actually turned it on the lowest level to disperse rioters and people were like people's ears were like bleeding and things like that so and they turn it on the lowest level so these things can burst your eardrum and things like that and you can't even hear it it just harms you you know and so you have to you have to pretty much have to leave you have, you have to get away it's not fatal havana syndrome is not fatal and all the affected individuals who have ever been affected are still alive. So um, I would hate to see the vice president of the United States die. Um, although I'm not a fan of hers in the least, it would just be unfortunate that you know that one of our leaders passed away, whether I like the leader or not. But pretty much what you have is um, direct penetration of radio radio frequency waves into the skull, and it disrupts electrical and chemical activity in the brain, and re, it actually rewires certain neural pathways. And the rewiring may be the reason that the symptoms are see are seem so profound and have a long lasting uh, effect. That sounds painful, and I don't wish that on anyone. Oh yeah, and just so you know, they're gonna resettle fifty. 50,000 Afghans in the United States, according to a survey by uh, Rasmussen, and they're saying that a thousand likely voters oppose it. Most of the a thousand likely voters oppose it, and uh, but it's a survey of a thousand, and you know what I say about surveys and polls and things like that. So a thousand is not a good sample size, in my opinion. But the situation in Afghanistan is getting so bad that even the liberal media is going after the Biden administration. Listen to this about this seven-minute clip of. Um, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was talking to CNN and they were really going after him for it and I used to like Anthony Blinken I had to rescind that because I thought he knew what he was doing because I saw him going up against China and I liked it but he's just incompetent so go ahead and listen to this clip Secretary Blinken thanks so much for joining us um, take a listen to what President Biden was saying less than six weeks ago your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. They did not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Secretary Blinken, as you know, the Taliban has closed in on Kabul. We're evacuating the embassy, burning documents. Biden increased troops deploying to the country twice in three days just to rescue those there. This is not just about the overall idea of leaving Afghanistan. This is about leaving hastily and ineptly. Secretary Blinken, how did President Biden get this so wrong? Jake, first, let's put this in context. Uh, and as we've discussed before, we were in Afghanistan for one overriding purpose. Uh, to deal with the folks who attacked us on 9-11. That's why we went there 20 years ago. Uh, and over those 20 years, 
Uh, we brought bin Laden to justice. Uh, we vastly diminished the threat posed by al-Qaeda in Afghanistan to the United States to the point where it's not capable of conducting such an attack again from Afghanistan. We're going to keep in place in the region the capacity to see if any reemergence of a terrorist threat and to be able to deal with it. Uh, and on the terms that we went into Afghanistan in the first place, we've succeeded in achieving our objectives. Uh, when the president uh, came to office, he had a decision to make. Uh, the previous administration negotiated an agreement with the Taliban that said that our forces, our remaining forces, only about 2,500, would be out of the country uh, on May 1st. And the idea that uh, the status quo could have been maintained uh, by keeping our forces there, uh, I think, is simply wrong. Uh, the fact of the matter is, had the president decided to keep forces in Afghanistan beyond May 1st, uh, attacks would have resumed on our forces. Uh, the Taliban had not been attacking our forces or NATO during the period uh, from which the agreement was reached to May 1st. The offensive you're seeing across the country now to take these provincial capitals uh, would have commenced, uh, and uh, we would have been back at war with the Taliban. And I'd probably be on this program today explaining why we were sending tens of thousands of American forces back into Afghanistan and back to war, something the American people simply uh, yeah. don't support. That is the, uh, that is the reality. Uh, that's the context that we're, uh, we're dealing with. You cited the, the May 1st deadline uh, negotiated uh, by the Trump administration. You did blow back, blow through that deadline. We did have troops uh, there a after uh, May 1st. Um, but th I think, again, the issue here is not just the withdrawal of U.S. forces. It's how they were withdrawn, uh, the, the rapidity, the, the hastiness. Um, President Obama's former ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker, he called the way this was done, quote, a handover to the Taliban, and quote, we have hung them out to dry about the Afghan people. Crocker continued, quote, I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about Biden's ability to lead our nation as commander in chief. To have read this so wrong, or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care, unquote. Does President Biden not bear the blame for this disastrous exit from Afghanistan? Uh, Jake, we've seen two things. First, uh, we've known all along, uh, we've said all along, including the president, that the Taliban was at its greatest position of strength uh, at any time since 2001 when it was last in charge of the country. That is the Taliban uh, that we inherited. Uh, and so we saw that they were f very much capable of going on the offensive uh, and uh, beginning to take uh, back the country. But at the same time, we had invested over four administrations billions of dollars, uh, along with the international community, in the Afghan security and, and defense forces, uh, building a modern military uh, with the most sophisticated equipment, 300,000 forces strong, with an air force that the Taliban didn't have. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, uh, we've seen that that force has been unable to defend the country. And that has happened more quickly than we anticipated. Well, the idea of uh, them, the force not being able to defend, I mean, what a lot of experts believe, uh, and you can disagree with this if you mm -hmm. want, is that uh, having U.S. air support, having U.S. intelligence there to help the Afghan troops on the ground is what stiffens their spine, enables them uh, to do what they do. And that's part of the larger issue about whether or not the U.S. should have left behind any sort of residual force. But, but beyond that is, again, the question of how poorly this was done. The idea that President Biden ordered 2,500 service members out and now is sending up to 5,000 service members back in, does that not on its face show that the, ex that the exit was ineptly planned? And again, look, you told me a few months ago on this program that you thought 
it was entirely likely that the Taliban would be taking over the country. But President Biden, just last month, quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. He was wrong. Jake, what we've done, what the president has done, is make sure that we were able to adjust to anything happening on the ground. Uh, and the fact that, we, that he sent additional forces in, we had those forces at the ready, fully prepared to go in the event uh, that this moved in a direction where we needed forces in place to ensure that our personnel was safe and secure, uh, to ensure also that we could do everything possible to bring out of Afghanistan those Afghans most at risk. That's exactly what we're doing. Why didn't you uh, have the troops in there and then let that happen first before taking them out? Again, I come back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is that that status quo I, was not sustainable. Uh, like it or not, uh, there was an agreement that the forces would come out on May 1st. Had, they not, had we not begun that process, which is what the president did, uh, and the Taliban saw, then we would have been back at war with the Taliban. And we would have been back uh, at war uh, with tens of thousands of troops having to go in because the 2,500 troops we had there and the air power would not have sufficed to deal with the situation, especially as we see, uh, alas, the hollowness of the, uh, the Afghan security forces. And by the way, from the perspective of our strategic competitors around the world, there's nothing they would like more than to see us in Afghanistan for another 5, 10, 20 years. It's simply not in the national interest. You keep changing the, the subject to whether or not we should be there forever, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whether or not this exit was done properly, uh, taking out all the service members before those Americans and those uh, Afghan translators could get out. That's what I'm talking about. And then you have to send people back in. That shows, that's a definition of, oh, we shouldn't have taken those troops out because now we have to send twice as many back in. Look, I think it shows that uh, we were prepared, the president was prepared for every contingency as this moved forward. Uh, we had those forces on hand uh, and they were able to deploy very quickly, again, to make sure that we could move out safely and, security, and securely as the situation on the ground changed. Let me just ask you, is the Biden administration right now offering the Taliban anything in exchange for a promise of safe passage for Americans and others out of Afghanistan? No, we haven't asked the Taliban for anything. We've told the Taliban that if they interfere uh, with our personnel, with our operations, uh, as we're proceeding with this drawdown, there will be a swift and decisive response. That's what we've told them. All right, so you got to remember that the theory that I told you about yesterday about the military stepping in was that people are going to be calling for Biden to resign and, it, and ultimately he's going to get the 25th Amendment used on him. And it's kind of funny how Trump told Joe Biden to watch out for the 25th Amendment. And so the theory was that Joe Biden was going to get the 25th Amendment used against him and then so that they can make Kamala Harris pregnant. I mean, president, sorry. And, uh, and so they would go and try to inaugurate her and the military would step in uh, before she was inaugurated because she would only be acting president, not uh, commander in chief. And so, pretty much, it's all going along along with uh, along the lines of the theory here that pretty much people are calling for Biden to resign. Um, people are saying, even CNN is talking about, oh, I don't think Biden's fit to 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 rule the nation and things like that. Trump's calling on Biden to resign. That well, that's that's a given. But uh, I think in the coming days and months, or in the coming weeks and days, you're gonna see more people, more and more people calling on Joe Biden to resign. And it's kind of going along with the theory here. Cause it's like, it's almost as if the 25th amendment is going to come into play or Joe Biden might just up and resign. Okay. So moving on, let's talk about Australia real quick. So the Australian truck drivers are vowing to block every major highway in a, 
in an anti-lockdown strike. Okay, so and these you know these are like these are 16, 18 wheelers here. So these are big big trucks here. So um, if you don't know what about what's uh, happening in Australia, so here's a little bit of what's happening in Australia. So children are actually being taken away from their parents in order to give them the vaccine they literally have police in a room ripping the child out of the arms of the parent in order to inject the child with the covid vaccine now i actually am seeing a video where you have people rioting in the streets of australia against the lockdown and you have some police who are fighting against them but there's too many people for the police to even handle and some of these policemen are actually on horses and they cannot contain the people all right, so here's a little bit more. So now here's a little bit more of the situation in Australia. So now this is what's going on. Okay, so the police may now enter anyone's home without a warrant. Curfew is at, actually at 8 p.m. now. There is a $1,600 uh, $1, fine if someone is found outside without a valid reason. Uh, the amount is actually being raised by the day. Um, they can't visit any family or friends. There's a $200 fine for no mask, and it's mandatory mask at all times. Um, you can only exercise once per day for up to one hour. Uh, only one person per household per day can leave the house, including for groceries. Um, you can't more, go more than three miles from your home. Weddings are illegal, and there's no gatherings of any size. This is 1930s Germany all over again. If you're ever, if you've ever been wondering what you would have done in Germany in the 1930s, you're doing it right now. Having a constant state of emergency leads the way and provides the pathway towards global tyranny. Do you think that the Holocaust just started just randomly? No, they had they made it an emergency they said these people you're in danger because of these other people and now we have to get them before they get you we're the government we're going to protect you from these people who are out to get you we're the government you should get vaccinated because you're going to die of covid and the people who are unvaccinated are going to kill you so you should shun them you should report them you should tell us who they are so that we can round them up and keep them away from you to keep you safe do you see how this is happening again they're preparing a genocide this is how it happens every time look at china in the 1940s and 1950s look at the ussr look at the us if you have if you don't know about this yet look at go look at the united the ussr in 1917 go look that up if you don't know about that you need to read about that that's in world war one you need to read about that if you don't know about the ussr in 1917 i'm not going to talk about that because i can make that i can make a whole hour and a half video about the ussr in 1917 Australia is pretty much the testing ground for this global lockdown and this global tyranny, okay? So the end goal to this uh, is their vaccine passport, and they want to um, establish leverage over the people, okay? It'll provide the way for their great reset because because then you'll have a social credit score, and people like me who have been talking bad about these vaccines that I know um, have killed some people and harmed some people because I even have a cousin who was harmed by it. People like me would totally have a low credit score because of the stuff I'm staying here, and I wouldn't be able to buy or sell things, okay? And in a nutshell, I, if they actually got their way, which... I don't think they will. If they got their way, I'd be one of the first people to go. Yeah, I'd be first into the oven or the gas chamber. Yeah, something like that. Or the concentration cap. Yeah, I'd be one of the first people in there. And I guess that'd just be the way it went. But they're not going to get their way, okay? It's harder to implement that in America, and I don't think they will in America because we have guns. And this is why the Founding Fathers gave us the Second Amendment. 
This is exactly why. Do they have the Second Amendment, Second Amendment in Australia? They do not. Do they have the Second Amendment in New Zealand? They do not. And what's going on? They're being locked down. They've got curfews. They can only exercise for an hour, and only one person can go out of the home at a time. And you, can, you can't even go farther than three miles. Okay? So, there you go. Thank God for the Second Amendment. So, without this vaccine passport, they wouldn't have any way to govern the basic aspects of our lives like you can't go into the grocery store you can't go get a haircut you can't go to work because you don't have a vaccine and these are basic things basic rights that we have and they want to govern all these things because they want total control the vaccine passport is the equivalent of being in nazi germany and the and they're them asking where are your papers or being a slave and them asking, where are your papers? It's the equivalent, okay? Because they even had the police in Australia going around at restaurants, checking people's vaccine passports to see if they're vaccinated or not. This happened. This is on video. You can look this stuff up. You have to remember, when the World Economic Forum talked about the Great Reset, here's what they said. You know, Klaus Schwab, here's what he said. He said, quote, The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to opportunity to reflect reimagine and reset our world unquote now schwab is the founder and executive chairman of the world economic forum look their goal here is to make you exhausted it's to tire you out okay and it's to make you just give in and say okay i'll take the vaccine i'll get my vaccine passport fine i'll, I'll get my vaccine so that i can go into the hospital it that's the that's the point i told you before what they do is that they take control and then you get tired of it and you get ready to raid you get ready to rise up and fight them and they relinquish control and say oh, okay it's all good now we'll we'll leave you alone and so the people calm down and they're like okay it's over and then they'll do it again and the people will get angry and as soon as they get angry they say okay no just calm down it's okay it, it'll go away and then as soon as you get lax and you relax and you think oh there's a new variant we got to lock you down again it's gonna happen over and over and over i told you your life is never gonna be the same okay your life is never gonna be the same okay it's over okay it was over okay the, until god has had enough of this it's your, your life was over you're you're never gonna go back to normal Okay, you were never going to be able to go somewhere without a mask and all this stuff and be fine, no matter how many booster shots and vaccines you got. Because think about it. They just talked about there's a new variant coming up that is vaccine resistant. They're going to do it again and again and say, oh, you need a booster shot. Oh, there's another variant that needs a vaccine. Oh, it's vaccine resistant again. So we have to give you another booster shot three months later. Your life was never going back to normal. You are never going to be back in your workplace, back in your school without masks. It was never going to happen. Okay. So it's not going to be normal until you stop giving in. Okay. One of our founding fathers named James Madison, he said, quote, if tyranny and oppression ever come to this land, it will be in the guise of fighting a foreign enemy, unquote. And this foreign enemy in the 21st century comes in the form of a foreign pathogen with a 99% survival rate. This whole thing has never, ever been about controlling a virus. It's been about controlling you. You are cattle to them. Something to be experimented on. I have a quote here. I forgot who I got it from. But before I read it, I want you to know that 
you know, people are saying, oh, uh, you know, the reason most people, you know, the reason a lot of people aren't rising up in America, you know, a lot of people are, but the reason uh, a good amount of people are not is because they're being fed just enough to allow them to be happy. That's what you have to do. If you want to keep people from rising up against you, you have to feed them the crumbs so that they can just not notice what you're doing feed them the crumbs tell them what to believe and tell them what to think this quote here it says uh it goes like this it says quote people are like happy sheep in order to steer them in a political direction they must first be made unhappy and that unhappiness will result in passivity finally in discontent and then in the end revolution i also find it interesting uh you know, Emerald Robinson, she put out on Twitter, it says, the FDA said, our rigorous testing means the final vaccine approval will be in 2024. Also, the FDA, we work for Big Pharma, so who are we kidding? It's not like you can sue us. Let's just approve it all right now. You know, that's in response to the FDA approving the uh, Pfizer vaccine. And we all know that the former commissioner of the FDA stepped down and is now on the board of Pfizer. So here are a couple of other hazardous chemicals that are approved by the FDA propyl paraben propyl gallate red 3 red 40 sodium benzoate potassium benzoate sodium nitrate sodium nitrite sucralose asulfame potassium azotiocarbonamide um carrageenan dimethyl polysiloxane and high fructose high fructose corn syrup and many, many other things, like yellow 5, yellow 6, titanium dioxide, TBHQ, sodium phosphate, and other things that are also approved by the FDA. And these things are toxic to humans. All right, I got about a minute and a half audio clip. I want you to listen to what Dr. Anthony Fauci said. Go ahead. Uh, let's go ahead and roll it. We debated the CDC's changing guidance on masks over the last 18 months. What is your view, Dr. Fauci, right now? on masks in light of the Delta variant. Are surgical masks good enough or should everyone be wearing now N95s, KN95s in indoor venues? You know, Mady, instead of worrying about what kind of mask, just wear a mask. Wear a mask, you know, wear a surgical mask, a cloth mask. Some people can't tolerate N95s. Rather than saying one versus the other, we need to wear masks and the Delta variant has changed the playing field. It absolutely has. It has an extraordinary capability of spreading from person to person. And that's the why the CDC is saying, even if you're fully vaccinated, if you're in an indoor situation in an area of the country, which essentially is the whole country with very few exceptions, then you should be wearing a mask when you're in an indoor situation with other people, not in your home, in a public situation indoor. Because we're seeing breakthrough infections, you can get infected and have no symptoms at all, and then inadvertently and innocently pass it on to someone else who is not vaccinated or is incapable of getting vaccinated. That's the reason for the CDC recommendation about masks. So pretty much he's saying wear a mask, any mask. Well, there's no science that says that masks even work. You know, like I say before, it's like... Um, building a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes and so the blue surgical face masks are only about 10 percent effective according to a new study and so the daily mail shows us that uh, fauci said covid is going to be under under control by spring of 2022 and that it's time for vaccine mandates you know he's saying that if the majority of americans get vaccinated then covid will be under control 
So pretty much, if you get the vaccine, if you get the vaccine, you get a vaccine passport, then you'll all you'll be under our control, and we'll be able to tell you whatever you want to do. We'll be able to tell you what we want you to do, and we won't come after you anymore unless you say some naughty words. All right, so that's a pro all pre I pretty much have for you folks. So I'm going to go ahead and play about a 20-minute clip, 18 to 20-minute clip from Dr. Michael, um, excuse me, General Michael Flynn. And uh, General Flynn, he pretty much gives a warning to Americans, pretty much his warning to Americans. So uh, without further ado, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that God sent his son. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday. But uh, so I, I've got a, a wide range of topics here for you, mm -hmm. um, that, and some some more personal, some a little sure. more uh, future of the country. I really want to look uh, forward. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of challenges facing us. I know you agree with that, um, but I'd love to start off just kind of defining a couple of terms because there are these there's so many words that we throw out on the left and the right, right, and what it means depends on who, who you're talking to. So let me ask you, when when you say deep state, mm -hmm. how would you define that term? What do you mean by deep state when you use that phrase? Yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, and when I, when I use that phrase, I try to, I try to define it. Yeah. I let, to try to let people know, you know, what does this mean? Because it's just this nebulous phrase, deep state, right? You know? And, I, and what, it, what it really is, is it's a, it's an, an overbearing and overgrown bureaucracy uh, that's that is part of this sort of military industrial uh, uh, and to a degree police uh, complex you know and police being the the senior law enforcement the senior judicial components of our government because it's not just military industrial complex that Eisenhower described right it's it's a combination of complexities in the uh, in the United States government, principally in Washington D.C., uh, and then of course those tentacles reach out uh, all the way across the country, and they reach out all around the world. Sure. But but principally that that swamp or the deep state is this very complex set of of uh, of, of entities, and it includes. This military-industrial complex, as defined by Eisenhower, who not only defined it but also warned us about it uh, in an exit speech in 1961, and and then as time goes on, as time went on, and here we are in 2021 today, uh, we now have more of a of a I would call it a security state. So maybe maybe a better way to define this is really a military-industrial security complex that we you know that I, I'm sitting here today and and my warning to America is that and I and I pray that it's not too late but my warning to America is that that's what the deep state is about and it's and it's sort of you know the the, the marionette in the game in the in the in the play here are these are these people that are that are long in the tooth politicians right or or these these uh, these entities that that swim around the swamp of Washington D.C. and the entities yeah. are are think tanks and some of the some of the big lobbying sure. you know organizations that they swim and they and they eat at the sides of this thing and and that's how they feed. So if you want to use that as a metaphor, I mean that's a I think that's that's appropriate. 
and they feed off of this military industrial security complex to the tune of you know millions then billions and now trillions yeah. Yeah. so when we look at I think the latest budget that I'm aware of that's coming out of the the house is is I think it's somewhere between three and four trillion dollars I yeah. mean extraordinary amounts of money so that that's what it really is it's this military industrial security complex that uh, that that we need that the American public needs to be aware of that is a some of it some of it is a uh, is solvable so how do you fix this how do you correct this well some of it is just going to require extraordinary leadership by extraordinary leaders uh, that we still that and the, and the willingness to to be fearless about what it is that we are up against, um, and, to, and to then fight your way into, into a place where, where you can actually make changes to this military-industrial security complex. And everybody goes, no way. Well, then, 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 then if you feel that way, for anybody that listens to this or reads anything about this interview, if you feel that way, that means that you've given up. You've given up on, on everything. Uh, but if you haven't given up and you feel that you can, can help to fix this. How do we do that? Well, the, and I, you know, I know we've got other, other things you want to talk about, but yeah. I, think but it's it's really, it, yeah, I think it's really important to know that the, that the founders, the creation of our, of our country, you know, first is, is really, or was, divine providence. Mm -hmm. It still is, although I feel like we're going through a, a test. But the creation of our country, and I use creation, you know, like the word creator, right? So the creation of our country was not uh, um, decided by a top-down view, right? Like they did, the founders that, that, that studied and argued and debated and fought literally to get us to, uh, you know, to where we actually put the primator on the Constitution, yep. which was not 1776, it was later on, but... but that, um, that when they were fighting to do that, when they were d discussing this, they didn't start at the top and say, well, we're going to have this federal government and then we're going to work our way down and, and then we're going to give out some, some freedoms to these people down here, to these minions, to these serfs, whatever. Right. Actually, what they around. did, they did it just the opposite, which is the brilliance of, of our founders, the brilliance of the vision that they had to see well, well into the future because they understood tyranny, they understood persecution, they understood all of the challenges that that uh, nations that were that or that were existing or did exist in history prior to that to, to to the United States of America existing. They understood many of the challenges because they studied them. These were really bright people. Right. So they. St I put it in airplane mode. And I thought I would turn that off. My fault. No, and that's okay. I was like, I thought that was a coyote knocking at the door. <laughs> We did have one right after Yeah, this. yeah. I saw one yesterday chasing a roadrunner. It reminded me of that cartoon. The cartoon, yeah. And I started thinking of that. I was out, I was out doing PT this morning, and, yeah. and uh, I, <laughs> I started singing that song, right? It goes, you know, the roadrunner, yeah. yep. coyotes after you. Yeah, right? well. So anyway, so Sorry, to take us back to, uh, to the beginning here, the founders, they actually started at the bottom. They started with human liberty and human freedoms and they started with faith 
And that's where they put the strength and the meat of our Constitution was on individual liberties. And that's the strength. That is the principal strength among, among the idea that this thing was, was, was a, 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 a divinely providential you know, creation because it, you can only explain it that way because of all the various miracles that had to occur through sacrifice and through, through commitment and through uh, discernment and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and discipline. So they started with the, with the individual and they created individual liberties. And then they went up the, the ladder. Then they went up the scale. And then they started looking at states' rights because the states were still 13 colonies and, and they wanted to be individual they wanted individual things, right? The states wanted individual things. Sure. So they argued for those things, and they created different, different entities. I mean, even, even fast forward to today, many of the states that are still part of the original colonies, and even some that came on later on, but certainly the original colonies, have certain things, that, laws, that go all the way back to that oh, yeah. point in time. And that's why in this, in this, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about, some of this stuff going on in, the, in our own election system and election processes, which is one of the which is one of the most cherished uh, uh, institutions of our, of our liberties, is the ability to be able to have a free and fair vote. But they gave states rights, and then they came up to the federal level, and they said, okay, what, what's remaining essentially? What do we give to the, to the federal government? And they actually gave the federal government very few things to do. Right. You know, worry about your, your borders, worry about you know, external forces, right? I mean, foreign affairs, foreign affairs and, and stuff and such like that. You know, the, the diplomacy of a nation, right? Do those kinds of things. And what has happened in time is we, we the people, uh, have allowed uh, the, this, this entity that we have in Washington, D.C., and, the, and this, this, this political, uh, the political machinations to flip that around and take more control away from we the people yeah. and take more control away from the states. And we're now doing it less by law and more by fiat right. called an executive order. Right. So that's really important. And, and, and uh, you know, it's the boiling of the frog effect, right? So America, you've been sitting in a boiling pot of water and all of a sudden you're now, you're now like going, wow, it's like really hot. And you're trying to, you're trying to grab hold of the edge of the pot and you can't reach it because they put, right. they did it just right. You know, there's enough water that's, that's uh, steamed out. You've sunk down and now you're about to boil and, and, and you know, and the potential to be eaten by these, by these alligators that swim in this swamp is very real. The one thing that I know that is a fact, and it's a fact of life, it's a fact of history, is that nation states rise and fall. It's a fact. Right. I always say, you know, when was the last time you met somebody from Byzantine? Yeah. Well, maybe there's a Byzantine Arizona town or something, but, <laughs> but you know, I, but, you know yeah. I mean, I, I use that in a facetious way, but in a realistic way to describe what it is that I'm talking about, the rise and fall of nation states, because it is a fact of life that nation states rise and they fall, and, that, and they go away. They go, you know, sort of the, the way of the wolf, right? And so you never met anybody from Byzantine because that empire, which is one of the oldest empires that ever existed, doesn't exist anymore. Right. It rose, it, it had an existence, and it, and it died. You know, the Athenian Empire, right? I mean, there's so many. Sure. Roman Empire, sure. even, the, even the British Romans, Empire. The Medes, I mean, they, right, yeah, right. You know, so, sure. so there's so many that in the history of the world, 
And I think that that's super important for us to understand as Americans, because how long will we last as a nation state? And the further and further we move away from our Judeo-Christian principles and values that this country was founded upon, the further we move away from that, the, the more we, we remove uh, faith, and particularly God, because there's different faiths, and I, I'll, you know, I respect that, but, but the more that we remove God from our lives, our lifeblood or our lives, the further we're going we're gonna to fall into this abyss. You know, and the abyss is, is uh, in, in many cases, the abyss is, is unrecoverable. And so I, I want to be on the, the, the side of the abyss right now where, where it is still recoverable. And I believe it is because, you know, I, I believe that, that uh, there are a lot of Christians on this planet and certainly in this country that are now seeing this nation at risk. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to, I'm going to force my Christian faith down your throat, right. but it means that, uh, you, you know, people are going to have to do, uh, I, I always say prayer is the most powerful weapon system known to man. But after you pray, you got you to stand up. And, uh, and now, you know, this phrase that I use is, is local action has a national impact. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for, for all the listeners, if you're done praying, stand up and go do something and stop complaining because the foundation of America, if the foundation of America was built on solid rock, just like the foundation of the church, let's say, right? If the foundation of America was built on solid rock, that rock has deteriorated. And, and a house built on sand will not uh, stand, withstand the storm that is coming. And that storm that is coming is a loss of faith in, in something that, is, that got us here, whether you want to believe it or not, it, it, you know, you just look at, look at what George Washington experienced as Colonel Washington on the battlefield fighting with Braddock against the French and Indians, all the way to all the machinations and all the battles that he, uh, that he, in, that he you know, incurred along the way fighting for this country, you know, all the way to the point of time where he became the President of the United States, first President of the United States. I mean... It's like, it's like miracle, miracle, miracle. I mean, it's just incredible. There's too many, there's too many coincidences to say, I mean, it's either you believe in destiny or you don't. And if you don't believe in destiny, then I, I, uh, I really feel, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for somebody who doesn't believe in the destiny of the, of the Creator because America is the destiny of the Creator, and, and it was necessary because, uh, you know, from really 12, 13, 1400, certainly in the 15 and 1600s, the, the Christianity and faith was being persecuted, in, in, uh, and, and tyranny was big time on the rise in Europe, you know, Europe writ large. And so then you started having these people taken off to this thing called the new country, right? The new world. The new world, right? There was no America at that time. They were just running from being persecuted to say, I'm going to go find some place in the middle of nowhere because we heard about it and there's great things happening and we're going to go discover the new world 
and we're going to create a world that's based on religious liberty and, and our own personal freedoms instead of being dictated to by a king or a monarch or a dictator or a, right. or a, or a, right. or a tyrannical you know, leader. So, so it, it seems clear to me, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding, it seems clear to me that that you feel America's at a point we've never been at before, that this is a crisis that is new, we haven't experienced this before. Not everybody feels that way. Yeah. Um, a guy named Kevin Williamson, you may know him, he's a writer for National Review, who generally I actually like, mm -hmm. don't always agree with him, but yeah. smart guy. He, he wrote um, this week, I think, uh, about Christianity in politics. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he said was that it, it kind of depends, uh, Christian leaders, religious leaders in politics, depend on this idea that uh, irresistible evil is on the verge of taking over. Mm -hmm. But his point is that it's always on the verge of taking over, that, you know, this is nothing new, in essence, is what he said. So how do you respond to somebody who... who I, I think it, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think in, in essence what he's saying is, look, these folks, they may very well be sincere, but they're also sincerely fundraising off this idea. Sure. Right? They're, they're sincerely, you know, trying to sell hats with their motto on them <laughs> or whatever. Uh, how do you respond to somebody like that who doesn't think that this is an especially critical time? How do you, how do you describe this as being different from other crises that... America yeah, and, and and I don't know him, and I did not. I don't think I read that article, but um, I think to, uh, and again, I'll speak for myself. Sure. I think that people. So first of all, first of all, there has always been, and there always will be evil. Right. There has been, and there always will be good. Right. Good people and evil people, evil situations. And good situations. I mean, the we're we're getting ready to next month or, or into September is going to be the twentieth anniversary of the attacks on on nine eleven. Right. I mean, that was an evil act. Right. So that's a that's a force of evil that did that to this country, to our country. You know, and we're still at war. I mean, whether they want to say, well, we're pulling out, still people that are they so so that so that's just an example of evil. Right. Okay, evil situation, evil people. Is there evil in politics? Well, I mean, so how do you define evil? You can define it through greed. You can define it through, uh, you know, uh, you know, an, an ego that's out of control. You can define it through selfishness, right? Uh, and on the good side, you define it through the acts of kindness, right? I mean, someone who gives to others before they give to themselves. Someone who constantly treats others like they want to be treated, right? Someone who is willing to have an open mind about a situation and try to understand it, but still make the harder right decision. And I think that's good. I think that's a good way to be sure. versus an evil way to be where you just take the easier right or you take the, I'm sorry, you take the easier way out of a situation and that's not the good way. That's, 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 right. It's almost like you... You're going to sort of take the money and run, to yeah. use a phrase, right? So, do those entities exist? I absolutely believe they exist. He's probably, he's right. I mean, he says that, they're, that they've always kind of been there. They've, they've been there since the beginning of time. Sure. Sure. Been there since the beginning of time. And I mean, in a biblical sense, you know, don't touch the apple, right? Don't take a bite out of the apple. You know, was that good or bad? Well, 
if you know, the, from a, in a biblical sense, it was pr really bad, you know. 